Well, good morning, Life Church. How are we doing? What a great video, isn't it? That touch your heart. Thank you, God. And we are some, we're embarking on Thanksgiving week, right? Are you guys excited about Thanksgiving? More than last night, though. They didn't even, they're like, is that this week? <laughs> it's a long day for Saturday night people, I guess. Well, you know what? I had a lot of questions because it was no shave November, and I had this goatee going on for a while, and it looked pretty good until about a week or so ago when it started changing colors. So just so, you know, when it starts looking like a flag, it's time to go. <laughs> and my wife was so great. She was like, um, do you plan on keeping that for a while? <laughs> and I got the hint. You know, it kind of reminds me of the story of this uh, young man, a teenager, and, um, and he grew his hair out long, and he wanted to have long hair for high school, and he was just, you know, and his dad really didn't like it. He kept kind of, you know, getting on his case. Cut your hair, man. Come on. Cut your hair. And so on the way to church one morning, and the son goes, Dad, you know, I'd like to use the car after church. I, a bunch of my friends are going to get together. We're going to have some pizza, play some football. And so Dad looked at us as an opportunity. He goes, well, uh, if you cut your hair, you can use the car. And the kid thought about it. And they're on their way to church. And he goes, well, you know, Jesus had long hair, Dad. And the dad thought about it, too, as they're driving. And he said, yeah, and he walked wherever he went to. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to have some fun. You know, I was uh, thinking about what to, to share. Pastor Ryan asked me to, to share this week, and he's preparing for a great message to launch our Christmas series. Oh, it's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it next week. And so I started looking at one of the magazines that I get in the mail, AARP. <laughs> yeah, I qualify now. I know I don't look it, but I qualify. And it talks about the good life, and what is the good life? And before I go further, I want to introduce you to my friend Megan. Megan's here. She's going to share a little bit of the, the message here a little bit later with me, and she's a great gal, and I'm excited. But the good life, and you know, and, I, and I, this article talked about all kinds of things where you can move to, and how you can enjoy the good life, and don't we all want the good life? Don't we all want that? Yeah. Three or four of you, great. Everybody else wants a pair, you know. <laughs> my life sucks, you know. No, no. <laughs> we want the good life, don't we? Won't we all strive for that? Yeah, exactly. And this article, they talked about where to go and where to retire and where, you know, what places that are the best and what you could do. And I was just like, my gosh, it's all around stuff, isn't it? It's all around things. It's all around comfort. It's all around what they wanted. Except for one gal. She's from New England, actually. And she talked about when she retired, she started helping. And she listed a bunch of things, helping kids, watching kids, doing things and that. And she said, I have more joy now that I'm retired because of what I can do with serving than what I thought I was going to do when I retired. And it really touched my heart. So the good life, right? You know, and God, you know, God has a plan for us too. God wants us to have a good life. Did you guys know that? Yes, if you look at the, uh, the scripture in your notes and you're, and you're filling the blanks there, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Oh, I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. God has good plans for me, and God has good plans for you. Doesn't that just make you feel good? That he does, he has plans for you. And Paul said it in the book of Philippians. He was writing to the church of Philippi. And he says, you know what, guys? I found the secret. I've learned the secret to having this good life. You know where the good life is found? I'll give you a hint. Do you know where the good life is found? In the Bible, right? It's exa- Amen is right because you know what? It's there. You know what the Bible stands for? You ever wonder what that was? It's an acronym. Basic instruction before leaving earth true. That's what it is right there. 
It's in the thing of contents. No, no. <laughs> no, it's true. If you want to have an answer to any question about life and how to have the good life, go right here. Go right here. We know there's some things that stop it. There's things that prevent it. There's things that kill the joy of having a good life. There's things that actually prevent it. And, and again, when I do a message, usually God works on me on things that I've had to either work on or currently working on to get better. So I'm not here pointing fingers. I'm just going to share. And maybe it'll bless you a little bit. There's a few things that stop the good life from happening. Here's a few of them. Number one, complacency. You know, there's sometimes, and I run into people all the time, you know, not all the time, but they, they just have this, this attitude of like, whatever. You know, you can do something to fix this problem, solution, this issue, whatever it is, whatever. And the Bible talks about not being lazy, not allowing yourself to be lazy. Just read Proverbs. God does not like that. Now, he doesn't want you to be a workaholic, okay? But he doesn't want you to be lazy, a slothful, or just not caring. Pastor Ryan sent out a message this week. As we're getting ready for the weekend, he said, in this, in one of the scriptures says, work hard at what you do as though you're working for God, not for man. So in every aspect of your life, give it your best. Yes. Next thing is comparison. Always wanting more. And wanting others' stuff. And, want, want, you know, pushing yourself to the point where you're unhappy. You know, when I get this, I'm going to be happy. When I have that, I'll be happy. When I accomplish this, I'll be happy. Now, Christmas is right around the corner, isn't it? Black Friday's coming up. And now they have pre-Black Friday. Pretty soon it'll be pre-pre-pre-pre. <laughs> Start on Tuesday. And get, you know. But, you know, that's, and it, you know, and it's unfortunate. What is Christmas all about today? Outside of the church, it's really all about stuff, getting stuff, giving stuff. How much stuff? You know, and we get focused a lot of times on stuff, don't we? Let me ask you a quick question. Just to yourselves, list five things you got last year for Christmas in your head. Can you remember? You're lucky to get one. You know, I was talking to a kid the other day, and he goes, oh, I think I got Pokemon cards. He was all excited about that, but he remember that, you know. But most of us don't even remember. It doesn't last. But we spend our time, our time, effort, and energy in chasing and comparing. I wish I had... Well, he, should, he had or she had. I wish I had that boat or that car. I wish I had that vacation home. I wish I had that job. I wish I had a spouse like that. What it causes is anxiety and stress. It causes conflict in, in, in relationships. It causes more expenses, too, because you spend more to try to acquire what you want to feel good. It also causes more fatigue because our culture is worn out. <coughs> tired because we're going from, you know, sunrise to sundown, seven days a week to just keep up and we're wiped out. But that's not what God said. He told us to take a day off. That's been a struggle for me. If I had to work on that, I have to force myself to take a day off. <laughs> I know it sounds weird to some of you, but I have to do that and not think, not think, not, I'm gonna, not going to think about that today. And I'm joking, but it's true. It's, it's tough for me not to, but I've had to work on it. Why? Because I want to have the good life. I want to experience a good life. And by doing that, the next day, I have more energy. I have more focus. I have more strength. I, I have better thoughts. I have, I'm more productive. It's amazing. God knows what he's talking about. Um, many years, about 100 years ago, Tolstoy wrote a, wrote a book. And in that, he told the story of this, this rich master who was so impressed with one of his peasants. He said to him, 
I'm going to give you all the land that you put your foot onto today. And the peasant got so excited, he started running. He said, I'm going to, and all day he ran. He ran harder and faster to touch all the land he could. You know what happened to him? He died of exhaustion because he's trying to get more, trying to get more, trying to get as much as he could. It'll wear us out. There's a bumper sticker I saw recently. said, I used to dream of the salary that I'm starving on today. I used to dream of the salary that I'm starving on today. The richest man that ever lived, King Solomon, they estimate his worth to be hundreds of billions, with a B, hundreds of billions in today's dollars. And he goes, and he goes, a man might have a hundred children and live very old. And he goes on, this is Ecclesiastes. This is at the end of his life. And again, he had everything. He experienced everything his heart desired. It would be better for him to be born dead. He says his birth would have been meaningless. He would only have ended up in darkness because he experienced it all. And it never gave him satisfaction. It never gave him the good life. He says, yet he would have had more peace than in growing up to be an unhappy man, which I think he was in the latter part of his life. He might live a thousand years, even twice as long, but still not find contentment. And since he must die like everybody else, what's the use, he says? The richest man that ever lived on this earth. So if you find yourself comparing and you find yourself struggling with that, take a time out. Think. I'm 51 years old, and as I get older, and I start to really get, you know, an understanding of what really is important, what really matters in life. Next thing is complaining. I don't know about you, but I've struggled with that. You know, sometimes the mouth will speak before the brain has a chance to slow it down. <laughs> it's like, ah! I try to catch, darn it. You ever do that? You know, and, and things don't go your way. What happens? You know, it says, in, the, in I think it's in James, our mouth is like a rudder. It steers us. And in Proverbs, it says, the power of life and death is in our tongue. And what we say, we can use to build people up or to tear them down. And I've struggled with that, complaining. When things don't go my way, the she should have, or he should have, or that should have, or you should have, or blah, 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 blah. Just recently, I had a, a flat tire about a couple weeks ago. I was in Westbrook, and all of a sudden, I heard this pop, and I knew what it was. And I'm driving. And you know what I said? The first thing I said, I can make it. <laughs> you guys like that? I can make it. I can make it. I can make it. And all of a sudden, I feel the car go. <laughs> you know, I just keep on going. <laughs> I'm a 25. I'm like, and I started laughing at myself. Because then I started hearing, da, 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 you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going, and I'm going. And then I hit 237 because I live off of Queen Street here. And I, and <laughs> I can't go any faster. I'm like 25. And there's traffic behind me. And a guy behind me is going. <laughs> and I just, I'm just going away, and I'm laughing. I start laughing now. Years ago, I would have been fired up and ticked off. I would have been, and I would have been blah, 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 complaining, and I, and I would have told everybody, "You don't happen to me today." Blah, blah. And I got home. I just laughed, and boy, that tire was a mess when I got home. <laughs> it was like, you know, God bury that sucker. But you know, I just had a good time laughing about it because was it that big of a deal? And my wife's like, you did what? I made it. <laughs> I justify it. I made it, honey. I made it. She's like, you're an idiot. You know? <laughs> she didn't say that. But I think she wanted to. 
And then years ago, I got a new phone. This is many years ago before smartphones, and I didn't know how to figure it all out. And I hit the record button when I was talking to somebody, having a conversation, and I recorded myself. And then I listened to it, and I was like, that, that, that wasn't me, was it? And I, man, I, we got into a conversation about some person, and I let him have, I mean, I let the person know how I felt about this person. I was complaining. And I was like, ooh, and I listened to it again and again, like, I got to work on that. I think it was done on purpose. I think God said, okay, you need to hear yourself. And boy, so that's you. If you struggle with that, there's hope for you. Because it's rare for me to do that today. And what this does, this whole, the, 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 these three things, what they do is they bring us to this point of being discontent, you know, and it's really just unhappy. And, and you ever, ever met someone, and maybe you, it's been you, you've been at point, you're just not happy about anything. I mean, nothing makes you happy. You're always, oh, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, this is, well, yeah, but it could have been, or, you know, oh, this is, the glass is half full. No, really, half empty. Oh, wait, I don't know. But ever been that way? There's just nothing makes you happy, and that's what happens. And you don't experience joy, true joy, and have the good life that God wants for us. You know, maybe you're, again, in a relationship, and you're looking at, oh, what's not good about it? You're looking at your spouse, oh, if he or she would, then I'd be happy. Or maybe you're at your job. Oh, I wish I had a better job. And maybe you want to improve. I'm not saying not improve. I'm saying be content with right where you're at. It's different, isn't it? What does God say? He says this in, in Timothy, and this is Paul writing to his protege. He's, he doesn't know how much time he has. He's, he's getting to the point where he thinks he's, his life is going to be over, and he writes this. He says, yet true godliness, which is looking for doing things God's way with contentment is itself great wealth. What he's talking about wealth, not just not financial wealth. He's talking about the good life, being really content with where you are right now. So there's a few things that fuel this good life that, in your notes. There's a few things that fuel it, that, that accelerate it, that bless you in the process. One is, like I said, contentment, being content where you are right now. Again, maybe you don't like your job. Okay, but well, while you're there, do the best job that you can. Do your best. Why? A couple of things. I think God blesses that, number one. Number two, I think you'll probably get promoted. My wife just got promoted in her job. And she, we're talking in the night. She goes, I don't know why. I said, I know why. Because when she's doing something, she does her best. And they noticed, people noticed it. We're gonna, and they gave her more responsibility and moved her. And she was so excited because it's a better, and she was blessed. Better surroundings, better hours. But all of it came because she worked hard and for about a year at this position. And she didn't really like it, the position she was in. She's the opposite of me. You know, she's smart, good looking. <laughs> But, yeah, but, but, but also, doesn't, she's not really a people person like I am. I mean, she's not bad, but just not to the extreme that maybe I am. So she was thrown in that, but she did her best. It was hard work, and she got blessed. So maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your, uh, um, another, maybe you know, you're not happy with your body, and you want to lose weight, and all and that's great. Good things to try to improve, but don't get discontent. Be happy. I mean, I, I love my love handles. <laughs> I'm teasing. But especially this week, man, when my mom brings out the pies at Thanksgiving, I can be full to the, the gills, but I'm putting down some pie. <laughs> so pray for me. But, you know, I'm, I just feel like, maybe you're not happy about something else, or maybe, you know, be content, be happy exactly where you are, and watch what God does. 
turn it, flip it. Instead of being not happy and discontent, complaining, or even complacent, be content. Say, thank you, God. You put me exactly in the same spot. I mean, I could be discontent with my cars. I, have, I mean, I put gas in my cars, and it increased in value. I said, whew, I just doubled up, honey. I'm going to redo my net worth statement here. I, but who cares? They get me from A to B. I, you know, I'm not trying to impress anybody. It doesn't really matter. It wor- they work, okay? I'm not saying not wanting new, better things. I'm not saying not trying to improve. I'm not saying it, but don't make it more important than anything else. Contentment is learned. Maybe you're serving in a ministry and you've kind of been doing it for a while and you're getting like, oh, I've been there, done that. I, you know, I don't, oh my gosh. Sometimes we lose focus. Oh, I'm just an usher. I'm just a greeter. Oh, I'm just doing this. I'm done, I'm done AV. Let me tell you something. You are so valuable, especially serving. I was with a, a kid this, um, about a week or so ago. He, I was just waiting for my life group and there was another life group going and this young boy, he's five years old. I don't think he has a dad at home. And we spent a good half hour because I was early and it just spent a half hour hanging out with this kid. He showed me all of his cards and all of his things. He told me all about that. And he was so excited and he gave me a big hug and he just stayed next to me and he didn't want me to leave. And my heart just ached that this kid needs somebody. Maybe a father figure. I don't know the, the details, but I just sensed it. And this kid's downstairs probably right now. He's probably in life camp right now. And some of you think, oh, well, that's, that's for the girls. They do that stuff. Oh, I did it for years down there, and it was such a blessing. And I, I want you guys to consider, if you're not serving down there, to do it. Man up and do that and touch somebody's lives and bless them and do it with just energy and vigor and vitality and just love these kids because you know what? They're not only the future of this church, but the future of the world. Right downstairs, right now. Do it, jump in. And watch the blessings that you'll have. And, and some of us are discontent, maybe even about politics. I'm going to go there. Oh, <laughs> oh, here we go. I just want to give you, remember what I said the secret was right here? Let me just read you something really cool in, in Daniel. He says, praise the name of God forever and ever, the name of the Lord, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of the world events. He removes kings and he sets other kings up. God's got this. So please, I mean, I was on Facebook and people were like, I'm moving to Canada. Uh, whatever. I mean, come on. Do you don't think God's got this figured out? Be careful, be careful. Also, contentment is learned, right? And Paul said this, he said, I have found that secret, right? He says, I know how to live among almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret in living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then this famous scripture you probably all heard comes after it. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, he's talking about everything. You can, you can get through your situation. You can get through your struggle. You can get through the challenges you have. Why? Because the secret is, He's learned how to deal with it. And that's just being, having this attitude of gratitude. The next one, attitude of gratitude. Reminds me of the story of this big dog. You know, he walks into a butcher shop and the, the guy that owns a butcher shop is sitting there and, and he's looking at his, his buddy, his coworker, and he looks at this big dog come up and he's got this big like purse thing or, or, or something in his mouth. And he's just kind of scratching his head. He goes, okay, dog, uh, okay, I'm gonna see what happens here. He goes, hey, Bubby, he goes, uh, did you come here to buy some meat? The dog goes, woof. He says, I'll play along. 
He goes, um, did you want some bacon? Uh, pork? Um, chicken? How about some steak? Roof. Dog answers. I said, wow, this is pretty cool. And he's, the guy's getting excited. This dog can actually understand me. Okay, do you want one pound or two pounds? Roof. Two pounds. So he goes and he gets it. He puts it in a bag, wraps it up. He opens up the satchel, and there's money in there. And it's exactly the amount for two pounds. He goes, okay. He puts the meat in there. He zips it up. The dog makes his way. And the guy couldn't stand it. He's like, oh, my gosh, i got to follow this dog. So he does. He follows. He keeps a distance, but he follows this dog. And he follows him around the block. And he goes to his house. And the dog is at the house where he lives, and he's scratching on the door. Shh, 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 shh. And the door opens up, and this older guy comes out, and he starts yelling at the dog. You little boy. And the, the butcher couldn't believe it. He goes, hey, hey, He runs over. He goes, please, don't yell at the dog. That is the smartest dog I have ever seen in my whole world, my whole life. He goes, smart. It's just the third time this week he forgot his keys. Having an attitude of gratitude. What the, some of you just got it, yeah. Uh, attitude of gratitude. That means looking. It's an action. It's looking for something you can do. When's the last time you sent a card to somebody, a handwritten note? Or did something like that to say thank you? Or send them a little gift or do something. Just, or go out of your way to have gratitude and be gracious for the people even around us. Next thing is true thankfulness. If you could open up your Bibles to Luke 17... Uh, verse um, 11, I'm going to tell you a story about true thankfulness. This is the story. You can do it on your smartphone. It's LC Wi-Fi. Or, again, it's 799 in your Bibles in the chairs here, page 799. It's Luke 17, verse 11. This is the story of Jesus healing 10 lepers. I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to look at it for a second. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem... He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. As, <clears throat> as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, back then, what happens, just so you know, what would happen is the priest had to give their stamp of approval and had to check you out if you were healed of something before they could enter back into the community, before they could get back to their families. Leprosy was a terrible, and still around, it's a terrible disease where your, your nerve endings die, and then your body just dies, decays, limbs start falling off. And, 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 and the, the, the worst thing about it is that they cannot be around other people. They can't be around their family. They can't be around their kids. They can't hug anybody. And it's very contagious. And... Uh, the stench, I guess, is unbearable for people. They, used to, they put lepers in these colonies, and, and, but Jesus wasn't afraid of them. That's why they were at a distance. They knew that they couldn't get close to people, but they cried out. Go on in verse 15. says, then, or one of them then, um, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for all he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't? I healed 10 men. Where are the other nine? No one has returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. Now, this person of Samaritan wasn't, wasn't a Jew, and, and, and Jesus was a Jew, and he probably figured most of them were, and he was like, where are the, guy, where, where are the guys part of our, our, the Jewish family? I mean, didn't they have gratitude? Didn't they? Weren't they thankful? Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. What's powerful about this story is this guy, I don't even think, reached the temple. It doesn't say, but it looks like he turned around as soon as he, got, he realized he was healed. I mean, imagine walking. Maybe he has a half of a leg missing and he's got a cane or something. I was like, boop. And he, he's like totally blown away. 
He runs back and falls on his face and says, thank you. That's true thankfulness. We're the other nine. I look, you know, we all want to be thanked, don't we? When you do a good job, don't you want to be recognized for it? Jesus says, he was too. He's like, well, where are the, where are the other guys? Do you thank your heavenly father every day? Every day I get up, I have a new day. I say, thank you for this day. I can serve you and serve others. Thank you, God, because he gave me another day. Thank you. Thank you. True thankfulness. Now, my friend Megan here, this is Megan Kelly here. She's from Fox News. <laughs> Not really. And, uh, and Megan serves in the Fusion team. She's a great gal. She has a great story about being thankful. Well, I was raised in a very loving Christian home. I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior when I was a child. And God has just truly, truly blessed me with an incredible family. Right around the time I was in ninth grade, I started to become very ill. In one year, I missed over 15 weeks of school. I had a laundry list of symptoms that I had on a day-to-day basis. My hair was falling out. I had days where I could hardly walk. And my parents brought me to doctor after doctor after doctor to try to figure out what was wrong with me. It took five years until I got a diagnosis of Lyme disease, and along with that, I have six other tick-borne infections. Prior to this diagnosis, I was a regular I was a regular teenager. I was a cheerleader. I excelled in school. I was active in my youth group. My life rapidly changed when I got sick. I was on so many medications. I had multiple surgeries for pick lines, central lines. I was constantly either in a doctor's office or in the emergency room. And I spent days, weeks, months in bed. I still struggle with my Lyme. It will always be a part of my life, and that will never change. Sometimes I feel like I'm a stranger in my own world. Because of the Lyme, I've lost a huge portion of my memory. I have pictures of people, and I have no idea who they are. I read through old journals that I've kept, and it's like I'm reading about somebody else's life. My mom recently told me that I called her one day crying hysterically. I had gotten in my car to drive somewhere, and I had no idea where I was. I didn't recognize my surroundings. I didn't know where I was going. And I ended up being less than 10 minutes from my house. And in that moment, I had no memory. And now today, I have no memory that that ever happened to me. The summer that I graduated from high school, my sister and I worked at a Christian camp together. And I was ecstatic to think that God was using me and that I would grow in him. And halfway through the summer, my line flared, and I ended up having to go home And I was really, really angry. I kept asking myself over and over again, why is God allowing this to happen to me? Why am I sick? Why can't I get better? That fall, I was also supposed to go away to Bible college, but I wasn't well enough to do so. I thought that was the plan that God had for me, and I just, I again became so angry, and I sort of just shut down and shut God out of my life. That same fall, I met a guy, and his name was Craig. He made me very, very happy in the midst of everything that I was going through. He sort of came in and swept me off my feet, and my my world revolved around him. After a while, things started to change, and I'll never forget the way that I felt the first time that he hit me. I felt very ashamed, embarrassed, and I blamed myself for it. And he promised me that he would never do it again, but he continued to abuse me for two years. I didn't know when I started to date him that he was selling drugs, and eventually he was using them, and he became very addicted, and he turned into this monster. He controlled every part of my life. He controlled what I wore, who I talked to. I sort of became his puppet in his punching bag. 
after he went away to prison, I started to rebuild my life again. I went back to school. I started to build a career for myself. And then I met Josh, and I thought Josh was truly the one for me. After the honeymoon stage of our relationship ended, I started to question a lot of things, and Josh wasn't who I thought that he was, and he wasn't who I wanted him to be. His priority in life was drinking and having parties with his friends, and that was just never something that was part of my life. And I sort of just kind of hung out in the background and waited for whenever I was convenient enough for him. This entire time, God had been nudging me, nudging me over and over and over again, trying to pull me back to him. And I kept saying, no, you've allowed too many bad things to happen to me. I don't want to walk my life with you. Two years ago, on the 4th of July, I was sitting alone on the beach, and I had a very needed come-to-Jesus meeting. I was exhausted and broken, and I felt really, really empty. I fell to my knees in the sand and just surrendered everything over to God. I was in desperate need of his forgiveness, his love, and his grace. I left Josh, moved out of my house, and started coming to Life Church. Life Church is so big. I grew up in a really small Baptist church where you literally knew everybody's name. And when you sat down for service, you were very cozy with your neighbor. I picked Life Church based on its size. I wanted to sneak in and out for service, and I didn't want anyone to know how broken I was. My ability to sneak in and out probably lasted for two or three Sundays. Pastor Tom started to talk to me. And then Kristen and then Samantha. And before I knew it, I was standing in a Snow White costume for Trick or Trunk. (laughs) Not too long after that, my mouth opened up before communicating with my brain, and I became a fusion leader. I'm endlessly thankful for Life Church. It was clearly God that brought me here. And he brought me to a place where I could let my walls break down and fully expose my heart, my very wounded and broken heart. I spent 10 years of my life searching for something to fill this hole, this hole in my heart and in my life, and that feeling was discontentment. I just didn't know it. Once I realized it, I sort of let the guilt of my decisions consume me. I was certain that God wouldn't want me, that he would have no purpose for me. I was very fearful that my future husband would not want me. And since coming to Life Church, I fully let go and allowed God to take over my life which can sometimes be a really terrifying thing. And recently I've been praying for him to take me out of this box that I've put myself in. And we all do it. We stay within our comfort zone. And so I've been praying for him to just break me free of that. And sitting here is is out of the box. And he sort of came through on that. I've been praying that he would use me in any way that he wanted to. That he would take me deeper and he would stretch me and mold me into a Proverbs 31 woman for my future husband. This spring marked my one year with Fusion, and they gave me the most precious gift. They gave me this journal, and it's filled with pages and pages written by the kids, the leaders, and my family. And I've had this since May, and I continue to read it, and I still have not found the right words to express how much this meant to me. It's such an amazing experience to see your personal growth and your spiritual growth, but through the eyes of other people. And in the journal, my dad wrote this. He started with Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. When I first came across this verse, I considered all things to be only good things. How could not good things work together for good? God has shown me the truth of this verse in my daughter, Megan. Megan has had her share of not good things in her life, particularly with her Lyme disease. These struggles caused Megan to fall away from God for a season, but even during this season, God did not fall away from Megan. 
Over time, God in his love for Megan, he drew her back to himself. God caused Megan to make wonderful changes in her life, and he's using her days in the valley to help others. I'm such a valley girl, and I talk about it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite, favorite things about Christ is that he takes dark, ugly, and broken things, and he turns them into something beautiful. When I shared my story with Fusion this summer, the first thing I did when I got home was write in my prayer journal because I never, ever wanted to forget how I felt that night. And I wrote, I would live my life a thousand times over the exact same way for tonight, the exact same way. I'm so thankful for all the time that I spent in the valley. I'm thankful for my Lyme disease. I'm thankful for my broken and abusive relationships and for my very long season of discontentment. God called me to be his. I'm his daughter. He chose me when I didn't even want to choose myself. And he took everything that I've gone through, and he's allowing me to use it to serve him, and it brings glory to him. God took the broken, dark, and ugly parts of my life, and he just turned them into this beautiful masterpiece. Fantastic, huh? Thank you. Remember we talked about that secret, right? This scripture is one of my favorites. This is in Philippians. Paul wrote this. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he's done. Count your blessings. Ever heard that saying? Count your blessings. In the midst of a storm, in the midst of a struggle, in the midst of challenges, trials, all that, there's always blessings. But it's kind of interesting if you see the kind of flow of this scripture thank him and then it says then you'll experience god's peace which exceeds anything we can understand it's after we're thankful even in the midst of the challenge even in the conflict even in the struggle that god says that's my boy that's my girl i love you he touches you with his peace the difference between uh, tragedy and humor in life is time can look back at all kinds of things that we've gone through and say, oh, I got through that. But at the time, we're like, oh, freaking out. We need to understand that God's involved in everything and every aspect of our life. No matter what you're going through, just thank him. So I don't know why, God. I don't know what's happening. Just like that flat tire. Okay, that's maybe small. But be thankful in all. It says in that video, that says be thankful in all things, right? And... Um, and I just got this picture, and I was, it was funny, this, a couple weeks ago, this little buddy of mine, Boaz, I don't know if you guys know him, but Chad and Brandy's uh, son, he had this shirt that said awesomeness on it, and I, I took a picture of him, and uh, there he is, and, and I said, do your best, Pastor Brian, and he goes, <laughs> he did it, man, but that's, I mean, it, it says you have to have faith as a child, what's that faith mean? That means trusting, that means even in the storms, that means trusting, that's saying, okay, God, I don't understand what's going on trust you, and I'm going to thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for everything you've given me. Again, that, in that video that we had, it said, be thankful in all circumstances, and that means all, for this is God's will for, these, for those of us that belong to Christ, because he's got a plan. Trust him. A lot of you know my story about my mom, but uh, she's you know, almost 80 years old, and she's been battling uh, stage four cancer now for several years, and uh, everything was good now. She had a flare-up, but things came back, and, and she's just started um, a chemo again, and, and I just want to read you a text that she sent me. 
because we're interacting back and forth. I mean, it's fun. She figured out the texting thing, and it's been awesome. The first few were funny, but I had no idea what she was writing, and it was like, are you mad at me? You know? <laughs> and uh, she goes, this is what she says. I'm doing great, Pep. That's what she calls me, Pep. So now you're going to all call me that, right? It's going to stick. But uh, we went out to dinner last night with a bunch of people, and they're like, hey, Pep, you know. That's just my mom's love nickname for me. I finished three days of chemo yesterday and going to the doctor on Monday to see how I handle it, my body's handling it, and then I'll be back for more if it's, everything is good. No side effects, a little sleepless nights, but otherwise I'm very good. And then she says, I am fortunate and so grateful. This is my mom. What an inspiration. She could be mad. She could be angry. She could be fearful. She could be uh, frustrated. She could be discontent. She says, no, I, every day, she says, Tommy, she says, every day I have a, I'm blessed because I have another day. And she's doing Thanksgiving at her house. Uh, and I try to take it from her because it's a lot of work, but she loves cooking and I love eating. <laughs> then we're going to have a blessed time. So let's pray if we could bow our heads. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for the message. Thank you for your word here. Megan shared about her story. Lord, we ask you to bless everyone here today and help us to be in this Thanksgiving and Christmas season coming up to be thankful, to count our blessings, to be grateful for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.